The House of Roll journeys far and wide to bring you exceptional quality kitchen and bath fixtures. We've discovered the world's best craftsmen and techniques. Using materials native to the region and tools accustomed to individual craftsmen, we strive for perfection every step of the way. With all of this, you'll see the details of your own story, the story of a life well-crafted. This is the story Craft tells. Welcome to the House of Roll. Joyce, this week's show was the first show after the Mueller testimony that happened this week, and you did not mention it at all. Why not? Well, because there's no new news there. The numbers don't change, uh, and the bottom line does not change. You know, I think Nancy Pelosi, who is one of the best vote counters in the history of the House of Representatives, is correct. Um, we're not going to impeach this president. If the Democrats, if the American people want Donald Trump to be a one-term president, then the Democrats are going to have to put up somebody in 2020 who can beat him. And you know what? I, I had lunch with a bunch of friends, and, and I, you know, we all know I'm an NPP and no party preference, but we also know I come from a conservative background, um, and that's the way I vote. All of the Democrats in this significant number of people having lunch together said, were, were just um, extremely depressed about what they saw as the options in front of them in terms of um, the 2020 cast of characters on the Democratic side. And in light of the Mueller testimony, um, the likelihood that um, a, an impeachment and articles of impeachment will act to reelect Donald Trump rather than impeach him. I mean, the Senate's not going there, guys. There is no way, even if Nadler, in this continuing quest, and Eric Swalwell, in their continuing quest to get on television as a result of the impeachment frenzy in their hearts, um, they're just wasting time. Nobody's paying attention, so that's why I didn't talk about it. Now, now. I, th I think I think a, a more succinct answer would have been something like this. That uh, that's beyond my purview. I think that's true. I think Mueller stayed, and and that's the other thing that really offended me this week, and why I didn't want to talk about it was people were talking about. Well, has Mueller lost a step? Sure, he has. He's old. Yeah. Excuse me. He's not old, although I think his hearing may be impacted. But then let's remember. He's old. Let's remember he's in the Ranger Hall of Fame. Yeah. But when you hit him, what do you think? He memorized this 480-page report. So when you say on page 181 of book one, you, you know, you said blah, 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 blah. And he's going to say, well, I guess I did because... I'm staying within the four corners of this report. And in these five-minute sound bites, that's another reason I didn't want to talk about it. These five-minute sound bites are all about getting yourself on television in your district. They have nothing to do with getting to at the facts. So here's the bottom line on, on the entire Mueller report and the concept of impeachment. Okay? Clearly, there is evidence of some conspiracy but it doesn't amount to proof.
proof beyond a reasonable doubt that a jury would buy, and that's the standard that a federal prosecutor uses. Okay? So that's book one. Book two, can a president be tried after leaving office? Because, yeah, I mean, there is clearly three or four examples, especially if Don McCann can be compelled to testify, that would amount to an obstruction of justice charge. And that is one of the two of the three counts that they got Nixon on. But the question that was asked was, can a president be tried after leaving office? The answer to that question, according to Mueller, is yes. uh, That's beyond my purview. My favorite answer was the one to uh, Louis, was it Gomert? Yes. And he just says, I take your question. I take your question. That's great. That's... I mean, he put him down. You want to tell me that man is not sharp as a tack? I mean, he took Gomert at the knees with that answer. That's my new default answer f- to anything now. Well. If I just don't, don't want to answer, just, I take your question. I think so. And I take that question that says, can a president be tried after leaving office? You know what? You're going to hear the Democrats on that stage in Detroit say, well, when I'm president, I'm going to prosecute former President Trump for obstruction of justice and election interference, et cetera. And, And I'm laughing because that would be... Whoever is the next president, the first thing they're going to do is the same thing Gerald Ford did. They're going to pardon Trump of all criminality because it would be too divisive to the nation. I mean, that is why they fear the— Wow, you really think a Democrat's going to get into office and immediately pardon Trump? Do you think he wants his entire—his or her entire— administration to be swamped daily with the trial of Donald Trump? Or do you think they would rather send Donald Trump to the the, uh, dump of history with damnation from a pardon rather than putting him in a cell? Yeah, I see your point. But it's just interesting how there's all this rumblings about uh, impeachment and uh, obstruction of justice. And it it just seems counterintuitive for them to pardon him. But I guess it makes sense. I mean, he also lied under oath. Read the appendices. Generally speaking, yes, he lied. Which would also be perjury under oath. Okay. So why would you not want to damn him with a pardon? That's what. Uh, happened with Nixon. Nixon would have, you know, Nixon would have been indicted and convicted. Yeah, but he had his replacement, a member of his own party, pardon him. So I, I just think it's, it's no for read. Go back and read Ford's pardon letter, and he knew it risked him ever being elected on his own merit. Okay. Um, but he felt it would be that, that to try Nixon in a court of law would just drag out the long national nightmare. And I believe that is true in this situation as well. So wouldn't that result in the same fate for whoever president is next? If they pardon Trump, are they doomed to one term? I don't really think so. If they, if they were successful, 
in other in in terms of turning around the country. I think you know strengthening the economy, uh, beginning to to pay down debt, et cetera, doing the things we need to do to be a strong 21st century con- country, um, pandering less to the coastal elites and more to the entire electorate, um, the entire citizenry. Um, I think that person could overcome with good governance, which takes us back to the question for you know our first show in August about why do high quality trustworthy people no longer run for office? Why do people like like Mitch Daniel, who who really is an expert on the debt, why would he not run for president? He's certainly been been asked often enough because. Um, we're so afraid of the hard choices that we elect people who promise us the easy stuff, even though we know in our hearts that it's not true. And so for that reason, a, a reasonably successful domestic agenda and not getting us into another war, I think a Democrat would be forgiven for not, for not prosecuting Trump, except by the most extreme left part of the party. And, and frankly, that would probably be a good thing for the American people. I just don't see the point of if if Trump loses at the ballot box, uh, continuing to make him the focal point of American politics by prosecuting him. Now, I assure you, I assure you that Kamala Harris would love to do it. Every fiber of her prosecutorial body would love to do it. Adam but, Schiff is sure he could win that case. But uh, presidential pardon is a federal pardon, right? Mm-hmm. So that wouldn't exempt him from being prosecuted by the state of New York. Well, oh, the state of New York could could go after him. You know, um, and and then I want you to know, in terms of being damned on the dustbin of on the dust pile of history, there is a blockbuster book coming. Michael Cohn's got three years in a federal pen. He's got nothing to do but pen the truth. And he's the fixer. He's the guy who knows where all the bodies are buried. He can write a book that will be beyond a bestseller. And he needs to make money when he comes out of jail because he's had to pay the government millions. By the way, when you've done what he did, what Trump did to... um, to Cone, payback is a mother, and the payback is coming. So I wouldn't bother with trying Trump. I think history will take care of it. I think his exclusion from polite society would take care of it because he is a misogynist. He is a racist. I mean, it's hard to deny those things, even though conservatives like lower taxes and less government— and I am truly pleased that we're going to decentralize some of these activities so that they, you know, as we talked about in the show um, for July 28th, that we're going to decentralize the management of some important parts of the government, both because it's better government closer to the people impacted, but also because it saves hundreds of millions of dollars. So those things are 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 worthy of praise but the individual that we're talking about not so much 
Which brings me to the last thought on the Mueller testimony. Adam Schiff started his five minutes of fame that got him a whole lot of follow-on um, earned media um, and, and, and asked whether, you know, some of the things that had happened in, in volume one of the Mueller report you know, WikiLeaks, if you can find the 30,000, you know, Russia, if you can find the 30,000 emails and, and so forth, that some of the, and, and WikiLeaks, I love WikiLeaks, et cetera, that some of those things, even if not criminal, are immoral, you know, still making money out of, you know, using, out, out of your, while you're president, you know, still, you know, wanting to run your companies in a profit-making business, et cetera. So are those things immoral, you know, the, the WikiLeaks? Is this business activity amoral, unethical? And was Russia, if you can find those 30,000 and, and, and uh, giving polling information to the Russians and, and Cambridge Analytics and so much, if it's not criminal, is it at least demonstratively unpatriotic and if all those things are true then under article one impeachment for high crimes okay we can't you know congress could say we believe you're guilty of obstruction of justice so that's a high crime because that's actually a criminal offense and misdemeanors so if the american people believed that being immoral, amoral, unethical, and unpatriotic disqualified you from being president, then could you impeach that person, you know, for those unspecified misdemeanors in Article 1? Now, that's an open question, but the answer is the same. The body politic does not care. The body politic accepts Donald Trump as being immoral, amoral, unethical, and unpatriotic. But the economy is growing at over 2%, quarter over quarter. We won't make 3% for the year. And he's doing some really important things like pushing back against China. I think, I think thank God for Robert Lighthouser who gets along with the Democrats in Congress, so he can probably get NAFTA 2.0 through, okay? But who also understands that China's been playing us for a chump for 20 years, and the, the game's got to end. And tariffs are not going to change that game. I mean, you hear the president talking about, well, Tariffs, we're making all this money on China, and yet we're saying if you don't raise the national debt, we don't have enough cash on hand to pay the bills. So thus, those tariffs are not having, they're not blessing the treasury. They're making that washing machine you need to go buy more expensive, but they're not. But Lighthouser has now said we need to go to the World Trade Organization and say China is, not, is a developed country. China should not get treatment in the WTO as a developing nation. They're the second biggest economy on earth. How can we call them a developing nation? Once you put those strictures on them, 
that are applied to the United States and the members of the European Union, you are changing the playing field or the battlefield, whichever way you want to call it, because this is a form of warfare. You got to give credit where credit is due. So is that more important to the average voter than being immoral, amoral, unethical, and unpatriotic? And you know what? I don't know the answer to that question. But somebody needs to pose it as a part of this coming election. Are, are the benefits of conservative management worth the consequences of this individual's negative qualities? I take your question. And I think that's a good place to end this conversation. All right. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>